Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest today is Ben Madison. Ben is an Episcopal priest and currently serves as the rector at Holy Trinity Church in Winona, New Jersey. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. You are preaching this week? I am, yes. Two services, 8 and 10. At Holy Trinity? In Winona. Winona, New Jersey. Is that the 08080? It's 08090. Oh, the 08090. The 08080 is Sewell. Yep. Right? That's a sprawling, amorphous zip code. Well, yeah. Now, well, now it has like Washington Township in it and all these other tiny New Jersey towns. Township, man. I grew up in South Jersey, so I know exactly where you're heading, where or where your hood is. And let me tell you, if you're down there, this is the place to be. If you want legit religion, the gospel <laughs> proclaims. Old timey. Old timey, baby. So this is, it's, we are uh, proper 16, I guess we call it, or is it the... It's the 12th Sunday 12th after Sunday Pentecost. After Pentecost. And it's the first Sunday following the eclipse. It's the first Sunday following, which, you know, that's why Exodus comes up. Exactly. Immediately, first week. Why Exodus? Because the sun's dark and the sun, because of the plagues? Maybe. Maybe it's the initial act of God's, like, saving grace, right? We get it played out before all of Israel, all all of Egypt. Okay, eclipse. It's a a promise. So (laughs) if you're looking for eclipse connections, this might not be the podcast for you. We tried one, but we'll see if we can find one later. (laughs) So here's we got we got the beginning of the book of Exodus, right? Uh, we start with verse eight, going through two ten. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. It's funny because my wife and I used to go to this place all the time. We still go there, but it's called the Churchville Inn. And our favorite bartender Joe Falkus since moved on to another fine establishment. But we were there one day, and like Joe wasn't there, and nobody knew. I usually you get you know free drinks, free appetizers, then. Just no, everybody looked at us like, oh, hi, how are you? Who are you? We're like, and then came a pharaoh that knew not Joseph. <laughs> or, now there was a bartender that was not Joseph and knew not Scott and Lindy. <laughs> but here, yeah, we got the Israelites. Uh, it seems like, so the patriarchs are dead in the ground. And it seems like a kind of dark way to begin the book because the spectacular kind of redemption story that happens in the life of Joseph uh, and the healing in his family that comes through his own suffering and their own sin. And now it, it's it's gone from memory and we've got Israelite oppression. It's like a really interesting theme. I think like memory and remembrance and uh, just like the memory of things, right? Because it shows up in the rest of Exodus, especially once they managed to get out of Egypt, that the Israelites are forgetting who God is. Yeah. So I think it's perfect that it starts with, they forgot, we have a Pharaoh who doesn't remember Joseph, and it leads to suffering and all of these terrible things. And that will be continually exactly the same thing that goes on through the rest of the Bible, life. Elephant never forgets, but people do. <laughs> yeah. that's Schleiermacher says that's what sin is, God forgetfulness. I would agree with Schleiermacher. 
There you go. Don't say that in certain circles. <laughs> but it's totally fine to say it. You know, it's interesting. We don't know the name of the king of Egypt here. Mm-hmm. But we do know the name of two Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, who actually act in some subsur- some subversive ways to kind of go against this decree to kill all the male children. I guess the idea being... If we kill all the male children, the female children just get sucked up into the population and it'll suppress any distinctive ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that's probably where the power and military might slash like violence would come from, right? Is like male heirs. So you're not just subsuming the, the female children into your already existing culture, but you're eliminating any threat that might come from babies. Although there is that show, sort of rivers and glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And they were pretty tough. <laughs> there's roller derby as well, but and there's the women in the Israeli. Uh, the woman that played Wonder Woman. Uh, what's her Godot? Um, uh, Gal. Gal Gal Godot. I mean, I don't know. So maybe they don't eliminate the possibility altogether, but certainly, certainly. mitigate it. <laughs> so will you be touching on this text? Uh, maybe I don't know. I guess it'll depend. Um, I do like, like you said, the interaction between the midwives and uh, the points of power because they do their own little they do their thing that is not so little and actually saves a lot of the people to the point where pharaoh has to change the rules such that they can make sure that the midwives stop doing what they're doing but i usually preach on the gospel (laughs) the gospel is right that when you don't think god's working like on the cross (laughs) and then yeah right that is what's interesting here is that god's not really a a, an active character yet in exodus Mm mm-hmm that and yet God is working. I mean, despite the king of Egypt's best laid the best laid plans of mice and men, right? It's actually probably these machinations that lead Moses into the court of Egypt and actually want he wants up prepared in some ways to be this agent of God. And so and yet God is is uh is seemingly silent and inactive. And there's this funny thing, I feel like so you're absolutely right. Like Pharaoh concocts this plan, which ultimately is get is what gets Moses into the life of the Egyptian royalty, in right? But makes him the biggest possible threat. Uh, at the same time, it's sort of like, uh, where was I going with that? Don't do this on Sunday. I won't. Uh, it's gone. Right, it's gone. See that? It was so deep. Or maybe God was working behind the scenes because it was awful and not helpful. And God just eliminated it from your brain. Oh, you know what? I remember. Uh, well, that's not the case. It, it makes me right. It makes me wonder about the... Uh, in that first line where it says a pharaoh who forgets Joseph, like is that an indictment of the pharaoh? Like, what is the what is the ethical angle that we're supposed to see Pharaoh with? Like, clearly we're supposed to be on the side of Joseph. We just read all of Genesis, right? We know his family, we know all their baggage, we know their history, and suddenly we have a pharaoh now who doesn't remember Joseph. Now, are we supposed to be critical of Pharaoh for that? Because it doesn't tell us the length of time that goes on. Yeah, I've always read it as kind of a as as more of a. Because it's obvious the Israelites are much more are growing numerous, so it's mm. beyond. I mean, there's this kind of growth in the Old Testament, right? From a couple to a family to a clan, you know, to tribes to a nation, right. and so it seems like they're moving towards, you know, the, the numerousness of people kind of thing. So I, I always took it as sort of like, well, just the way it rolls. I mean, hey, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, who remembers anything? About, uh, you know, like Henry Clay, right? Other, didn't Clay die? It was, didn't he was, no, he, wasn't he the one who, who was the one that died from pneumonia because his speech was too Oh, uh, uh, 
William Henry Harrison. William Henry Harrison. I'm sorry. Why did I say Henry right. Clay? No. But she, when I don't even, I can't even remember William Henry Harrison's name. You know what I mean? Like I took Tip it. Tip a canoe. Exactly. And Tyler too. That was his, uh, that was their catchphrase. There you go. I mean, that's, you know, you think about how things become quickly. I mean, you know, there was, I, on Bill Maher come once ago, and this stat, stat has been kicked around like, Almost 40% of millennials or something don't think it's that important to live in a liberal, liberal democracy. Sometimes people are like, they don't, no one remembers the USSR. I remember a, a right. group of undergrads. I was teaching a class and I were talking about interpreting symbols and I put up a, a, a picture of a, a bald eagle boxing a bear <laughs> and no one knew what the symbols were. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's not long, you know, like the Cold mm-hmm. War's not. So I, I always took it as like, hey, wow, this is a new kind of day and age when. Well, I don't remember when the USSR was a, was it a was, thing. It was, uh, it fell in 89, right? Yeah. Back in the US. Well, <laughs> long and short of it is God is working to in this history or else, because if God didn't, we wouldn't have the book of Romans, which is our next reading. I mean, yeah. there would be no St. Paul. There would, there might not even be Peter, Paul, and Mary. Who knows? But it's <laughs> not Western history. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 through 8, Paul's appealing to his hearers, readers, to present themselves as a living sacrifice, uh, which is their spiritual act of worship. Um, I think there's a great line here. Uh, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Um, and it kind of talks about just the relationship of one another in community. So Romans 12, 1 through 8. Are you going to touch on this in your, in your sermon? I might. Uh, I remember remember AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, yes. back in the day. Everyone's favorite like Christian verse to like put in their away message comes from this text, right? The uh, Where is it? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, I will probably talk about Romans in relation to the gospel. Uh, because, well, one, it's classic Paul, right? Like he's crushing it. He's given us sound bites that, you know, preach. Uh, but he's given stuff that's AIM messenger worthy <laughs> for an away step. Right. It's like, uh, order of operations is like first one, quote, brand new or bright eyes, then quote the apostle Paul, right? That's, uh, that was my list at least. I like that. Thanks. Uh, right. So Paul gets into this thing about the body and like he expresses it extensively in first Corinthians and other places, right? First Corinthians. That's right. Where he talks about the body. Yeah. A lot of the body. So much body. He also says in second or first Timothy or second, that physical training is of some value, but implicitly about the body, but not the body of Christ, about your own. Your own body. Body. I did spend 40 minutes in physical training today. Because it's of some value. It's not ultimate value. We've already, I've already spent more time, I think, on higher things. But <laughs> So what does that look like, being conformed for it? I mean, or not being conformed? Don't conform to this world, right? Yeah. Be, transformed Be transformed by, by the, the renewing, renewing of, of your minds. minds. Yeah. I, so I think this actually goes really well with the Hebrews, right? If we're, if we're sort of on this topic of forgetting, um, conforming looks like forgetting like everybody else. Right? It looks like 
not remembering what Joseph did, not seeing how God works, uh, not even looking for it, right? Sort of, I think to a, to a, like an, an ultimate extension end that sort of the post-Christian secular worldview is sort of this ultimate cultural forgetting that there are powers greater than ourselves. There's a God, there's right, whatever. And I feel like the world's natural inclination is sort of to lean towards that forgetfulness, right? Uh, if we look if we think about Augustine or Luther and that inward curve, right? The inward curve makes us forget what God is doing and remember only what's important to us now. So that the renewing of our minds is not so much uh, like a suddenly God is going to make you significantly smarter than anybody else, right? You don't get superpowers, but what you do is you gain the capacity to remember, right? And that God is forcing you, sort of pushing you along to remember what God's doing such that you can see how your story and your life connects to what God's doing and then invite you into further work, right? More participatory work. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's connected immediately with humility and not thinking of, uh, and it doesn't say don't think of yourself at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just don't think of yourself higher than you ought to. Or so it's interesting because humility, the word is just hummus, like literally like mm-hmm. earth, like, Stay on the ground. <laughs> like, Feet firmly planted. Yeah, as opposed to let us power bad, but like build a tower up to have to make a name for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting somewhere. I think it was on the Calvin Center for Preaching Excellence. I think somebody was saying about this text, like imagine you're sitting in line at the grocery store and you've got a million things to do. And this person has, you know, a bunch of items and they're paying for them, like with some with change, some with a ch- with uh, two separate checks, then with a wick thing. And you're just sitting there, what the hell is going on? Right? right. And then you're exasperated, you're frustrated, you're cursing them under your breath, maybe not under. <laughs> and as you walk out, you see this person who's got a van full of seniors, poor seniors, and like it's distributing items, like, to, mm. you know, and that, like, you know, there, there's a transformation, <laughs> there's a renewal of your mind by seeing, you, you didn't see, you, the same thing was there, mm-hmm. but you saw something different. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, like the, uh, don't think, don't think of yourself better than you actually are, right? There's a humility there, but there's also like that normal human tendency to be like, oh, we're getting better, right? People are good. Like yeah. we're working out fine. And like, I feel, I sort of feel bad for my congregation a little because like, I feel like I hit on original sin like a lot, but there's this sense that like the first thing that can lead you to conforming to the world is to suddenly not see the world for what it is and to see it as better than it actually is. Yeah. And better in such a way that it makes you think, well, I'm better and they're better and everything's better. We don't need to remember the story that gets us there. Yeah. And you have no patience or, or long sufferingness because you figure, well, if somebody can be better, why aren't they? Right. It's basically like if you are not exerting your will to its fullest extent to make you a better person, to make the world the world that you imagine it is, right? Good in quotes. Uh, you don't have patience for people. You don't have patience for people online. And you're not even going to have the eyes to see when you leave.
Which gets us to, in a roundabout way, the gospel reading. Because here, Jesus is sort of saying, what do you guys see? Like, it's, uh, who do you people say that I am? Like, let's do a, let's do a sort of, uh, let's put a poll in the field. Let's do word association. Exactly. I say Jesus, you say dinner. I say groovy. <laughs> I, I, I say just all right. And Caesarea Philippi, right? This is like a renamed, so it's like King Philip or somebody. Like, a, like it's a it's a renamed district, so it's a kind of center of pagan political power and authority. So it's like Jesus pulling at DC or something, you know? And, <laughs> so, you know, it's like asking, K Street Jesus, exactly, K Street Jesus. So Matthew sixteen thirteen through twenty. Uh, you know, people are like some say John the Baptist, other a lot. I like it. Some are saying right. <laughs> it's like Bueller. <laughs> Bueller, like, well, like D O O economics. When people at church tell you that some people are saying this about you, exactly. like, oh, okay, uh, some uh, people, yeah, exactly. gonna give me names or exactly. I, that's an immediate dismissal of the comment. Um, <laughs> and then Peter gets it right. It's like he says, "You're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God," uh, and he says, "Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jeff, for flesh and blood did not." It's interesting, like, like. This, what seems like the worst adult Sunday school class that ever lived, the disciples, right? Jesus doesn't say, finally, somebody gets it. He's like, oh, wow, that was not, there's like a lifting of the veil. And I think it, it's important to remember, like, the historical Jesus didn't just glow. Like, it, people, people looked at God incarnate and it was a veil and it was, it was overlookable. Um, that there seems to be a lifting of the veil there, right? And he says, I will build this on you, on this rock. I'm going to build my church. And then he orders, Everyone not to tell anybody he's the Messiah. The messianic secret, as they call it. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, one of my favorite encounters in seminary, we were going through the Gospel of Matthew, and our New Testament professor, John Yeh, uh, got super excited about this verse. Uh, he's like one of the one of only two Presbyterians who taught at the Episcopal Seminary. And he's talking about uh, Jesus says he's going to build his rock on the church, and there's a play in words between Peter being rock, etc., and the Catholic Church looks at it like this. Yeah, and he went on like this 45 minute uh, tirade, which was phenomenal, uh, questioning the entire class about who do you, who do you think Jesus is actually building the rock on, like building the church on, and finally culminating with him saying he's given the keys to himself. Right, he is the Jesus is the rock on which the church gets. Yeah, built. I'll build the church exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting too, like. Yeah, because Protestants have generally taken this as not Peter, but Peter's confession. Right. And Roman Catholics through apostolic succession want to say that this is... But I always think the irony is like, Peter was anything but Rocky, right? <laughs> so Simon is not... So it's like on this, on Rocky here. I mean, and so I wonder if the subs are laughing like, he's Rocky? Like, he's anything but Rocky. He's Yo, so Jesus! Vo- right, like he's volatile. He seems unstable. Um, but yeah, at the Can't end... Can't even the, beat Apollo Creed. Exactly. He did, Rocky did beat Apollo. Eventually. Eventually, the second one, yeah. I think I th- so the part for me where it all sort of comes together, especially between the Romans and the Old Testament, like I think, I think I might hit on all three this week now, right, is if we're going to talk about memory. If we're looking at uh, the Old Testament and Paul's letter to the Romans and the New Testament, right, we can sort of build this stream about uh, memory and forgetting and not seeing, right? I love the... the the veil image that you used yeah. that you totally cribbed from Paul, which is fine. And Moses, but you know, it's all, exactly. there. it's all there. Yeah. Uh, but there's this thing where momentarily 
uh, Peter sort of recognizes, maybe even we could say remembers, who Jesus is. And he follows him the whole time. So, you know, he is with the earthy Jesus, right? The one who's dirty and doesn't shower and smells bad and has gas and all of these things that, you know, high Christology people don't want to talk about. And in that moment, he sort of sees everything and recognizes it. But I sort of love it because it's very short-lived, right? His recognition of who Jesus is as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, uh, is only, lasts only as long as he is able to sort of be inspired to see this, right? That it's not – that in some ways his tendency to conform to the world is so powerful that even after recognizing who Jesus is, saying it out loud, being praised by Jesus for it, he almost immediately forgets. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then we, Jesus says, whoever, after this, right, he says, whoever finds, whoever tries to save their life will lose it, whoever loses their life will, will find it. And then Eugene Peterson says, if you translate that, if you want to find your true self, you know, that, that it's in losing it. Mm-hmm. So there's this, um, in a sermon that Tim Keller preached on this text, he was talking about, um, how basically, um, Jesus is, is the true Moses. He says, um, Moses exodus and liberation was great, but it was only a social and physical liberation for one people group. Jesus is about to be the ultimate Moses, the ultimate mediator, the ultimate liberator, leading an exodus that will liberate from sin and death itself for all eternity, for all. Moses liberate, liberated at the risk of his life, but Jesus liberates at the cost of his life on the cross. So unless you see Jesus Christ as the ultimate Moses, unless you see his death on the cross as the ultimate liberation, those principles that enslave you will strangle you. And that's the, right, the only way that we'll fully recognize who Jesus is, is through his already accomplished work on the cross and inspiration by the Holy Spirit, right? You have to be given eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah. And that only comes through the death and resurrection of Christ. And that will be our prayer for all the preachers and hearers that their ears to hear and eyes to see given the sun. Amen. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Ben Madison for being my guest, and thanks again to you all for listening. Until next time, fare thee well.